London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. Hello and welcome to the London Property Podcast. Today we're in conversation with Harry John, who has just taken the big step of setting up on his own to help high net worth individuals with their property development projects. Welcome, Harry. Thank you, Farnes. So can you please talk us a little bit about how it all began for you? So what training goes into being able to do what you do? I started life out as an architect. I have a degree in architecture from Liverpool. I carried on for a few years. And ultimately, what I realised I enjoyed was the development and project progress from a site to a end product. Uh, so I, I did a master's in development and planning. Um, I then joined an incredible group of people called Grafton Advisors, who for 10 years, we looked after a billion pound fund in Wellput, specialising solely in central London development, commercial, residential, um, and bits of retail. Um, I then joined Aeon, um, where we facilitated a series of high net worths portfolios. Uh, we brought shareholders together. We bought projects such as 40 Lounge Square, where we are today, uh, Craven Hill, and a number of individual units. Um, uh, and that took me up to the beginning of this year when I set up HSJ Consulting, which, um, as you say, is a specialist vehicle really to look after high net worths and their property requirements. Um, the pitch being you get someone with, you know, nearly 20 years of central London development expertise, understanding of the whole process from acquisition through planning, construction and, uh, you know, the end result. Which uh, So what was the big difference between um, your skills that you, you, got, you got as an uh, architect to moving into doing property development? So what were the kind of holes that you saw that you wanted to fill? Uh, ultimately, architects, they, they have quite a, a, a narrow uh, approach to a project, in, was my experience. Um, you know, they're employed to do a certain role and, and, you know, they do it very well. But I enjoyed the bigger picture. I enjoyed, you know, how have you got a site together? You know, what was that process? How did you buy it? How did you fund it? Who did you need in there? Um, and how do you see what your end product's going to be when you're buying bits of a landfill, bits of site. Uh, who have you got to deal with along the way? Uh, and that's, the, that's what I enjoy. Um, architects either love or hate me because I'll sit there with a red pen and I'll go through their drawings from everything down to the fine details of their specs. Um, and I like to think it... As a developer, it gives you a more rounded approach to what it is you're trying to produce and how that product's going to be as good as it can be. Um, and I think you have to understand the whole process to, to get that right. So it's actually quite important, really, to have the hands-on experience beforehand because it is such a vast kind of uh, skill set, isn't it, to be able to do the, the property development? Because now you've got, as you say, you've got architects who do certain things and they do them well, but then you've got interior architects who then do the architecture, but they also do the interior. And they're not really that that disjointed, are they? And No, they, they can be, but, you know, part of the role is to ensure that 
perhaps where you're guiding your architect, you've got an understanding of what your interiors team want as well. And it's very important that those two sit together. Um, you know, just as importantly as your FF&E team, you know, there's no point in having an interior design that doesn't work with your FF&E. And to make a seamless project, you know, you need all of those parts working together, just as you need your M&E, your structural engineer team. Um, I think people often go into their own corners and work on their own and struggle to come back together to actually understand the bigger part of a project is how we all come together and make it work properly. Um, so your role really is sitting there as an expert, let's say, owner. So if, you, if you're an expert who, who buys a property and wants to make sure that all the different moving parts are in sync, then that's, that's what you do. Essentially, yes. You know, you've got, to, you've got to understand what your client's needs are and you've got to understand what your client cares about, what your client's involvement levels will be and ultimately what is their goal. Uh, and then you, you've got to, how I see it is you, you need to then structure the project in that fashion so that it works for them. Um, are they in London? Are they available? Do they want to see every nine months, six months? What, what do they want? Because if you understand that at the beginning of a project, you will get a, a better result out of your design team and ultimately a better result for your client. Um, and then obviously the more in sync all these different uh, participants are the quicker the project finishes and the less it ends up costing ultimately um, so when you look at a project how do you try to mitigate those pitfalls and, and those those risks that you see I mean are they are they really quite obvious to you from the beginning or is it all in the planning it entirely depends on the project it entirely depends on what the building is or the site Depends what your client's aspirations are. Um, I have a project in Highgate where it's a grade two listed large building and became apparent to me because I do the research very quickly that whilst it's a listed building, it was inside there was very little of historic value. So, you know, I was, I have two clients there that, we're happy to engage in the idea of a far more aggressive project because as a listed building, you know, it's, it's got legs to be significantly modified. And you know, in that instance, we were right. We got consent for far more than they ever thought they would get when they acquired the building. Um, but equally, the strategy I have there, we have further applications because ultimately I needed to get them the house. We then have further applications that will enhance things like the garden uh, and hopefully bring them a basement at the front, which, you know, makes the house even better. But ultimately, I have to bring them the house first. That was the main focus of our, of our work. And I asked them to move out early because when I sat down with them and showed them the program of where's our risk, how do we get the right procurement strategy, what have we got to understand to get there, I said to them, look, Ideally, we strip this building out now. You need to leave and that will get us on site far quicker and get you, you know, they want to be in there as soon as possible. So it's very dependent upon different things. Um, ultimately, what your client wants is, you know, what, what drives it. But from my side, 
I have to understand the building very quickly. Uh, I have to do my research. I have to know what's the potential of this building. Um, and that alongside architects, interior designers, is how you steer the sort of early phases of a project. And the whole sort of listed building can actually create an opportunity if you can go back historically and say, well, actually, I know that the planners say, no, you can't do this, but we can prove that historically it was X, Y and Z. So this is what you mean about trying to unravel the potential in, in a project. Of course, you know, the, the, the building in, in question, you know, it was completely renovated 18 years ago. And whilst a lot of what was in there was of very good quality, it's not the reason it was listed. And it was quite an easy argument for, for, for us with, you know, heritage consultants to put together a coherent argument to say, this building is internally not of any historic value. You know, we should be taking this out and putting back a more coherent scheme. Um, but that's not always the case. <laughs> and that's the point, you know, you ask, you've got to understand the building first. You've got to understand what your opportunities are. And that comes from experience of knowing the councils, what you can push for, what they care about, and also how much uh, perhaps patience your clients have in terms of taking up a challenge. Um, and I think it's very important to have those sort of conversations and dialogue early between you, the client, the right consultants at the right time and asking them ultimately the right questions um, to steer the project. If you get it set up right in the beginning, generally you'll get a much cleaner project, smoother project, quicker and ultimately more cost effective. So is there a kind of a well, obviously managing client expectations is an important part of it. But let's say um, when we're going with a project where, uh, like the one we're sitting in here in Lounge Square, you kept the facade and then you basically built everything new behind it. If you were to be faced with the same project again and somebody said to you, okay, from buying it to getting on site, what is the time that I won't exceed? Will you, uh, do you feel confident that? Um, you're now able to judge how long something will take? Because I guess how long is a really important question for most people, isn't it? It is, it is. And, you know, the, the, the clients we work with, they have different mindsets, different attitudes, and sometimes something is bought and they just want to be in it. Um, so quite frankly, taking on a retained facade project is probably not the right way to advise them to go. Um Lounge Square, 40 Lounge Square here, it took a long time to build because you're in a very constrained site. We dug down nearly 11 metres. You know, you're holding a facade at one end, a different level at the back. Um, and that's not always the right way for a project. It was in this instance, the aspirations of the shareholders was to produce the finest building in Lounge Square. And I believe they did. So just going back a little bit to, to the um, experience that you have that enables you to do what you're doing. So starting with architecture and then you did your master's in, in uh, uh, project development. So what were the additional skills required that you didn't actually get on the job that filled in that gap to, to enable you to be able to do this whole sort of pic big picture thing? I think people, ultimately people and 
how you deal with the various aspects you've got to know and understand to get you from the beginning of a project to the end. So, you know, here we had, you know, a bank who, you know, were hugely supportive of us. And, you know, you've got to facilitate their needs just as much as everyone else within the project. Um, and dealing with those people on projects such as this, you know, they're all different. And it's just experience. It's sitting in, it's listening, and it's having the right people at the right time on a project uh, is, is important. I think it's very easy to burn money very easily on a project without having structure. And I think that's where a lot of high-end projects can go wrong. And I guess it, keeping it kind of uh, on-site meetings going on a regular basis so everybody knows where everybody else is at, because the worst thing is when you finish something and then you go, oh, well, the M&E guys never told me that it had to be a double pipe system and a single pipe system. <laughs> that was an experience I had at a very, uh, you know, basic level. And and the M&E guy was just like, well, I designed a system like this and that's how I built it. And then the builder said, but, you know, you weren't supposed to do that. And not that I understand what I'm talking about, but it just seemed like surely this should have been, this should have been figured out two years ago, not today when the tenants have no heating and hot water on Christmas Eve. In an ideal world, you have the time to ensure that those things don't happen. Um, you know, designing projects of the quality of Lounge Square, you, you have to make sure they're right. And, you know, that does take time. But yes, absolutely. The coordination of your design team, you have got to understand how this thing's put together. Uh, you've got to make sure that everything works as it does, as it should, because ultimately the residents of 40 Lounge Square, they don't want to know. They just want their building to be as perfect as they expect it to be. So... Yes, we spend a huge amount of time sitting in coordination meetings with all sorts of designers, from chimney specialists to, you know, having to ensure that we're 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 meeting all of our um you know relevant planning conditions and code for sustainable homes tick boxes and so forth. So yes, there's there's a vast amount of time spent behind the scenes to um make things work these days you know this building is full of incredible technology and you don't see it you don't know about it because it's as a scheme it's supposed to be uh, uh hidden and it is it's not on show because that's what we think the residents of this place will will, will want so if you were to give a your top piece of advice to somebody looking to get into property development, what would it be? Uh, understand time. Understand time. It's all about cycles. It's all about timing. And uh, ensure those early, early phases, you, you, you not just listen to your clients, but also you've got to deal with your clients appropriately because if you start off on the wrong foot, it will be very challenging throughout you've got to give sensible advice early on and manage your clients expectations because ultimately high net worths they expect the very best of everything and that takes time but knowing and giving that early advice is, is very important very important you can fill a lot of the gaps down the line 
but having a decent judgment of what is the program. And obviously the program is dependent on what it is you're designing. And that becomes a sort of loop that you keep going round and round in the early days. And ultimately it also comes down to how much you're going to cost. And having a broad idea too quickly can be, I would say, a, a downfall for projects. Great. Well, thank you very much for a little insight into property development for us. We wish you lots of luck on your new ventures. Thank you very much, And Farnes. certainly be on our radar when we're being asked to recommend someone who's calm, composed and patient. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.